This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tonight on Piers Morgan, our censored in New York, as British Prime Minister Liz Truss clings on desperately to power, how much longer can this ridiculous farce continue? Plus, he's the king of US TV news and one of the most influential conservatives on the planet. Tucker Carlson joins me. And one of the most explosive personalities in sporting history. I'll talk exclusively to Iron Mike Tyson. From New York, this is Piers Morgan, Uncensored. Well, good evening to Piers Morgan Uncensored from New York. As Liz Truss's growth plan is blown to ashes and her credibility reduced to rubble, Ukraine sadly faces ruin of a very real kind. Putin is now pounding civilians with kamikaze drones. A third of Ukraine's power plants have been destroyed in a week. This is a calculated move to starve, freeze and bully Ukraine into submission. Yet today we learn that even the UK's support for Ukraine is now under threat. Another devastating consequence of Truss's reign of error. Defence Secretary Ben Wallace, one of the last few credible Tories left, is here in the US for talks on the war today. His deputy said this. We here in the Ministry of Defence are doing a good job of keeping our nation safe at a time of incredible global insecurity. My boss, Ben Wallace, is in Washington this morning uh, having the sort of conversations that, beyond belief, really, the fact that we're at a time when these sort of conversations are necessary... Well, it is beyond belief. No wonder both he and Wallace have reportedly threatened to quit. Trust promised to double defence spending. Now the new Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, says no budget saved from cuts. They're cuts he'll have to make because the government's £20 billion worse off than before Trust took office, even after demolishing her disastrous budget. And it's not just defence. Number 10 says Trust is no longer committed to increasing pensions either. But the only thing she seems committed to is squatting in Downing Street, saving her own skin as she made clear in a toe-curling BBC interview. I will lead the Conservatives into the next general election. Definitely. Well, look, yeah. I'm not focused on internal debates within the Conservative Party. What the hell is she laughing at? None of this is funny. For some people, it might literally be deadly serious. David Cameron gave us the age of austerity, and it was very painful. This will be known as the age of trusterity. Because there's only one person to blame for this mess, and every day that Liz Truss clings to power, Britain gets poorer. Well, my first guest tonight knows a thing or two about taking down failing politicians. He's one of the most colourful and controversial people in American TV news, and when he speaks, millions listen. 
He's the king of cable news in America and one of the most influential conservatives in the world. Who are these people? Do they mean us harm? It's not simply a matter of competing for jobs with American citizens. It's potentially a grave threat. For five years and over a thousand hours of primetime television, Tucker Carlson's been the voice of American outrage. More than three million people watch him every night on Fox, where he defies consensus, defies elites, and defies censorship. It's hard to think of an ideal more American than the freedom of speech. To the left, he's public enemy number one. Uh, phrases and ideas that are really core to the racist white nationalist movement. He wants you to believe the concern about white supremacy in America is a hoax, which is very convenient for a guy whose show has been dabbling in it for years. His fans, he's a straight-talking superstar asking the questions nobody dares to ask. What is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Tonight, for once, he's going to be answering my questions. And it's uncensored. Well, I'm delighted to say that uh, Tucker Carlson joins me now. Tucker, thank you so much for joining the show again. Oh, thanks for having me, Pierce. I want to start by... I've got Mike Tyson on the show after you. Tucker and Tyson, probably the two most infamous American pugilists, only in very different ways, you verbally, him physically. <laughs> Do you ever think sometimes you're living the life of Mike Tyson with the, the rough and tumble of American cable news? No, Mike, Mike, Mike Tyson plays for keeps. I've always loved Mike Tyson. I don't, I'm a boxing fan, and there were a lot of people in the boxing world who were appalled by Mike Tyson because they thought, effectively, he was too savage. I always admired Mike Tyson's boxing. Um, so, but no, that's not even... I mean, I work in a very gentlemanly, low-stakes world compared to Mike Tyson. You know, I watched your show last night, as I often do, and I looked for the devil. I looked for this person that your critics scream about, morning, noon and night, this appalling human being. I didn't find him. I found somebody engaged in spirited opinion... Uh, most of which, actually, last night I happened to agree with. Somebody who was very courteous to his guests, uh, respectful of their opinions, listened to them. Um, where do you get this reputation from, and do you care? Well, to answer the second question first, obviously I don't care. I wouldn't be doing it. I care what people I love think of me. I care deeply about it. I'm controlled by, really, to a great extent, by my desire to please the people I love. It's not a huge group of people, but I have a lot of children, and and a wife and friends and staff, and I love them all. And so I do care what they think. I do not care what strangers think. I'm not sure why I should. As for, you know, how I'm perceived, obviously we don't see ourselves clearly. I, I know you know this very well, <laughs> having lived in public life for many decades. Um, but from my perspective, I'm very moderate. I, do, I don't want radical change of any kind. I'm an American. I've lived here all my life. I always think I like 1985, for example. This was a happy, prosperous country. People were pretty reasonable. They tolerated disagreement with others. They didn't hate their neighbors because they voted for someone different. And I want to return to that. That's my goal. If that's fascism, okay, fine. But that's, that's what I want. I don't want a revolution at all. I'm the opposite of a revolutionary. I'm temperamentally conservative. I want to conserve the good things about my country. And that's how I feel. And I would say also... That in general, I'm, I can certainly be a jerk. I have been in public many times. But in general, I like other people, and I have no interest in being rude. I believe in politeness. So I don't see myself as a radical, divisive figure in the slightest. I see myself as kind of a moderate, middle-aged guy in a V-neck sweater. <laughs> and you sport that sweater very well, Tucker, if I may <laughs> say so. <laughs> I want to turn to the, the state of our two countries, really, because they're joined 
I think, in one sense, by two leaders who many people believe have literally yeah. fallen asleep at the wheel. I want to play a little mashup for you. This is of President Biden and our Prime Minister for the moment, Liz Truss. <laughs> Sorry that, given the speed at which things moved at the weekend, I haven't had time. Uh. I will lead the Conservatives into the next time. Definitely. Well, then, yeah. Because of the actions we've taken, things have begun to change. End of quote. How many people voted for your plan? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Now, what struck me, uh, Tucker, about both leaders from these clips is, A, the extraordinary delusion that they are somehow doing a brilliant job uh, but secondly, how do we get to a place where America and the UK, two of the great countries of the world, where yeah. there is such a paucity of talent available in the political arena, you end up with these kind of leaders who, by common consent, are at best mediocre, and certainly in the case of our Prime Minister right now of just six weeks, completely and utterly useless? That is the obsession of my life. How did great and impressive countries filled with hundreds of millions of great and impressive people wind up led by the worst among them? And look, I mean, I think we should start with the obvious, which is that democracy is not real in the West. The majority doesn't get what it wants consistently over time. Obviously, that's how you know. Leadership makes all the difference. If you have good leaders, you've got prosperous, happy, stable countries. And if you don't, you have the opposite. So Leadership really matters. Clearly, the systems that we have had in place post-war for the last 80 years to raise up talent and put it in positions to rule over the rest of us, that system is very flawed. It's producing instead short-sighted day traders who have no real investment in the countries they lead, no long-term vision for those countries, and no moral strength. They're weak, and weak leadership in the home as in the nation results in disaster. If you have parents who can't make a decision, you know, you have kids who are out of control. And the same is true in nations. And that's what we're seeing. But we need a total revamp of the system in the UK. I would say in the whole Anglosphere. I would add New Zealand, Australia, Canada to that list, because those are the countries that have fallen the farthest, the English-speaking world. All those countries need to rethink how they're raising up leaders, because it's not working. No. I mean, I saw an extraordinary clip of the weekend of President Biden munching an ice cream, which is never a good look for a, a, yeah. a man, actually, in public. But also what he said was so extraordinary. Let's take a, a look at it again. Well, it's predictable. I mean, it was... I wasn't the only one that thought it was a mistake. Anyway, I just think... I, I disagreed with the policy, but that's up to Great Britain to make that judgment, not me. And what I loved about this, Tucker, was there was President Biden, who is presiding over a shambolic economy in America, again, by common consent. 
taking the high moral ground as if somehow he's some great economic guru. Uh, the British Prime Minister is completely clueless. Well, I don't disagree with him, but I don't think he's in a position to say that, frankly, given what's going on here. Uh, but again, he, he clearly believes he's absolutely nailing it, when in fact what he is doing is nailing most people's bank balances. Well, I think that's exactly right. You have this weird cycle and you see it, again, all over the English-speaking world. You see it in New Zealand, maybe most clearly. This idyllic country with virtually no big problems run really into the ground by leaders who not only don't care about the future of the country they run, but are totally unwilling to acknowledge their failures. It is this kind of syndrome where the more exposed they are as ineffective and incompetent, and in some cases I would say sinister, the more tightly they cling to the fiction that everything is great. It really is, you know, in the old cliche, the band on the deck of the Titanic. I mean, they're going to play their music until they sink beneath the waves. It's, this is a disaster. Like, if you, again, mm. if you ran your personal life this way, you would have no yeah. real relationships. Right. If you made a mistake and never admitted it, and no, it's always your fault, you would be without friends. You know, no one yes. could bear to be with you. And, but that's what they're like. The big question, I think, for British viewers in particular about America right now is what is going to happen with Donald Trump? What do you yes. think is going to happen? Is he going to run again for president? And if he did, would that be a good or bad thing for the Democrats? Well, I think that the Democratic Party has re-energized Donald Trump and his voters by sicking the Department of Justice on him and raiding his home, uh, which they did in August. And I think that reminded people that Maybe the thing they like best about Trump is how much he is hated by the people in charge. That really is his great strength. They hate him. Um, I don't know if he's going to run or not. I keep hearing that he is and that he will announce by the end of this year, 2022. I, I can't confirm that. I don't think, however, that the people currently in charge will sit by and allow that to happen if they can help it. I mean, I really think they plan to hound Trump uh, into dropping out of politics forever. He's not because he's some sort of threat to the federal bureaucracy, no. Trump's <clears throat> threat, excuse me, is that he's willing to say what he really thinks. Mm. He is uncontrolled, and they hate that. That's completely true. Um, we've got a banner at the moment saying, Tucker Carlson uncensored. Quite clearly, you've never been censored. I'm not entirely sure I have, but we call the show Piers Morgan Uncensored anyway. Um, on censorship, on free speech... I think I share your belief it's probably never been under greater attack than it is today. Uh, yes. And in a way, the kind of illiberal liberals are behaving like the very fascists they profess to hate. And they want to dictate how we should all be thinking and what we should all be saying. And the consequences, if we don't sign up to this kind of ultra-woke worldview, is that you get shamed, vilified and cancelled. But my question for you is not that, because I, I think we all re-agree about how yes. insidious this is to society. But where is your line for this? And in particular, I'll give an example in, in the news recently of Alex Jones, the, the shock jock. I've had a few run-ins with him before. Um, this whole case of the Sandy Hook uh, families who sued him and got nearly a billion dollars, what did you make of that? Did you feel that he crossed a line which should not be acceptable, even if you believe passionately in free speech, that if you basically spew lies, which I think he knew to be lies, for massive commercial gain and inflict endless new misery on grieving families to the extent they get death threats and so on. Did he cross a line? 
Well, sure. I mean, I would never defend it. I mean, to the extent I understand what he said, which I don't really, but uh, I mean, clearly he said things that wounded, that hurt the feelings of the Sandy Hook families, and that's bad, and I would never defend that. I live in a country where the people with actual power, not Alex Jones, but the people who run the Federal Reserve and the federal government and the Pentagon lie every single day about things that really, really matter. They lied about the corona virus for two years and really destroyed the American economy and killed people. Um, and they were never held to account. The Federal Reserve shaved 30% off the value of the US dollar and nobody was indicted. So like, yes, I'm against lying. I try not to engage in it myself. I really do try actually. Um, but people do lie and it's sort of a hierarchy of, of, of crime here. I mean, like the people who tell the biggest lies get to remain on television spewing their self-righteousness and the people at the margins who criticize them who get caught lying are silenced. So this is censorship. Censorship only benefits the people in power. It's always an attack on the weak, always. That's what this is. They use the civil code, civil lawsuits to silence people they don't like. It's happened to me. Thankfully, I work for a big company, Fox which has defended me. But if I didn't, you know, I'd be silenced and impoverished because they would sue me for lying and hurting people in words or violence. The truth is words are not violence. Violence is violence. Shooting people is bad. They don't have a problem with that. Our murder rate in American cities has gone up 40% in a year thanks to their policies. They don't care. They don't care about actual violence. What they care about is any threat to their hegemony, to their power. And Alex Jones, I guess, they thought presented some threat to that, so they crushed him. I mean, that's what's really going on. And I say that as someone who does, you know, I don't think you should, like, criticize the families of children who were murdered. Obviously, I think that's in very bad taste. But it's not violence. The other person that we're debating later on the show who has an issue with the truth, and in particular in espousing truthful statements, is Meghan Markle. Uh, the debate we're going to be having is whether Americans have had their fill of the Duchess of Sussex. As an American, do you have a view? Well, I always thought she was ridiculous, and I felt sorry for the Brits. I mean, I am, you know, I guess by birth, partly English. I mean, my ancestors came from there, and so I don't, I don't follow it super carefully, but I love your literature, and I've always admired your culture, and, and, I, and I'm, you know, broadly speaking, I guess, sympathetic to the continuity that the royal family represents. And so from my perspective as an American, I look at Meghan Markle, and I'm like, this is a bad idea. Why? How did you fall for that? This chick's from <laughs> L.A., She's a failed actress. She's clearly acting out of bad intent. She wants to destroy things she didn't build. And I just never understood why anyone... I mean, I thought she was like a ridiculous narcissist from the first words I heard emerge from her mouth. Like, it never occurred to me to take her seriously. And I, and I watched with shock as you got fired over calling her to account <laughs> for an obvious <laughs> lie. <clears throat> and then... I watched as one of your friends got fired for trying to defend you. Right. I just interviewed her the other day. The whole thing was so insane. Historians were right about this. It was preposterous. Uh, Tucker, great to have you on the program. Thank you very much for taking the time. I really Here's appreciate Morgan. it. Thanks for having me. All the best. Well, next up, how do you follow Tucker Carlson? Well, what about the baddest man on the planet? He's not so bad now. He's a good guy now. Mike Tyson on Trump, Putin, pigeons. Who knows? I just want him to do one thing, Mike. Stay awake this time, because last time I interviewed you, you fell asleep. I'm going to talk to you about that oh, after that the break. Oh, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> we'll talk to you after the break, Mike.
Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored from New York. I and Mike Tyson have led an extraordinary life of triumph and tragedy on both the front and back pages. He was the king of the ring, 44 knockouts, an undisputed world heavyweight champion, and for me, the greatest boxer of them all. He's always unmissable television. But the last time I interviewed him, it looked like he'd just been knocked out himself. I'm, I just want to do this. I plan on doing this for um, a, a charity exponent, and I think I'm capable of doing that, and that's what I want to do. But there have been concerns raised about the fact that you are two men in your 50s uh, fighting each other without protective headgear. What, what do you think about those concerns? I think it's very wonderful that we're fighting together, that the fight that we should have had. Well, I can see you laughing there, uh, Mike Tyson. A, thank you for joining me again. You look a lot perkier today than you did then, Mike. What was going on last time? Hey, listen, I, was, I, I had hurt myself at that particular time. I guess I was training. Something happened, I hurt myself. And I, my, I received some painkillers from my wife. And after I received these painkillers, I was just incapable of articulating anything. It was just a mess. People thought I was so boring as an interviewer that I'd literally driven you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it was my fault, everybody. It was my fault. I need you to take the rap for this one, Mike, because uh, I got killed for that. It was like, Morgan, you're just sending people to sleep. What's the matter with you? Uh, it's, it's great to see you again, Mike. First of all, how are you? We, I've been watching you fighting. It was fantastic. And the next thing I saw, you were in a wheelchair because I think you've had bad sciatica blow-up and stuff. How's your health generally? Yeah. Man, it's splendid right now. I've been training every day. I've been working out. I've been slightly watching what I'm eating, and I feel wonderful. Well, that's great to hear. Um, I want to talk to you about a number of things. But first of all, I want to talk to you about uh, Ukraine. Uh, the reason being that I went out there recently and I met with both the Klitschko brothers, two great uh, world heavyweight champions themselves. One is the mayor of Kyiv, the capital city of Ukraine, fighting to, to save that city. His, his brother has actually been on the front line occasionally as well. What do you feel about that, that these guys that, you know, have been such great champions in the ring are now literally fighting for their freedom? Yes, I, I, I'm, I have a great deal of respect for those two fighters and their champions in the fight for their country as well. What do you feel about this war, Mike? What do you, what do you think should happen? I think um, it, should, it shouldn't be a war anymore. Do you think that what Putin did was wrong? I don't know what Putin did, but I, I don't think they should be fighting. What about domestic politics here in America, Mike? There's a lot of turbulence, a lot of people very angry at the moment, possibly made worse by the pandemic and being locked away and not being able to see loved ones and so on, but a lot of anger in society. What do you make of that? I believe during all um, political competition, it's always ugly. Do you, do you feel it's getting worse? Do you feel like tribalism between people is getting worse, that the ability to listen to other opinions and not get furious is, is getting worse? I just think everybody in a, it's, um, 
should just work together and build a conglomerate. How do we do that, do you think? Hey, by trusting and loving one another. Look how far we came since the 80s. And we're going to continue to go further and further. I'm really, I'm really positive in, about this country. Well, that's, I mean, that's good to about hear. Where it's going in the future. Right, a lot of people are negative about America. Why are you positive? Um, it's the country of my home. I believe in it. And I believe it's going to really um, flourish after this pandemic is truly over. How did you find the pandemic, Mike, being locked, locked down and not able to see loved ones and so on? Well, I don't like... If I could say and be permitted, I really um, flourished during the pandemic. I really... Um, I, that's when I became a great um, advocate for charity because I was just very grateful for what happened during the pandemic. Why, why were you grateful? Um, because I was able to help people that couldn't be helped. Right. In what way were you doing that? I'm um, just charity, food, on the line, coats, jackets, um, book bags, back-to-school programs. It's quite a shift for you, isn't it, to go from the baddest man on the planet, that was your fighting title, that's what your great uh, coach, Customata, wanted you to feel so that you were invincible in the ring. You go from that guy to a guy who, in a very difficult time for the world, uh, was so keen to help everybody else, to, to be charitable towards them. Well, I had, I had a great trainer to teach me how to be a great fighter, and now I have a great teacher to teach me how to great um, humanitarian. When you think about your journey, Mike, your life, how you've, how you've evolved as a human being, what place have you reached now? Are you happy in yourself? Hey, um, I'm very happy and I'm very proud of myself. I, I never understood my accomplishments as a human being until last year, perhaps. I never took myself serious, and last year I tried, and it turned out really well. What did you learn about yourself? What have you, what have you worked out about yourself? That I was a scared little boy for a long time. And you're not scared anymore? No, because that scary little boy is really vicious and mean and scared. How have you found peace, would you say? My family. That's my greatest accomplishment. Being a father, being a husband? Yeah, um, just the whole, the whole thing, man. How do you spend your days now, Mike? My days, yeah. um, I do it. I do it. I do anything I want. What's an average day for Mike Tyson these days? Um, first thing, get up, worked out for two or three hours, come back, take a shower, eat my breakfast. Most of it is, um, I don't know, plant-based. 
And right. then um, I may may go to work with my, with my wife and may do some interviews. Listen, I had some great interviews yesterday. Listen, I had Little Nas X, Tiger, and Leslie Jones. Well, I did a oh, great. Oh, I kicked ass yesterday. I did a I did a great interview with you in your hot box for your podcast. It was fascinating. Yes, you did a great one, great one, and you're <laughs> always welcome us too. I would love to do it again. It was, we had a, an amazing, fascinating chat. And I always say to people that you're a very, you're a complex human being, but you've got a massive heart, an extraordinary work ethic, and I don't think I've seen many people who've evolved as a human being more than you have, given the tough upbringing you had to where you've come to today. Hey, I just think of it from this perspective. Mm. The great, the, the greatest talent that God gives you, he gives you a lot of flaws to go with it as well. Mm. Do you think all great human beings are flawed? In order to succeed, they have to be flawed. They have to experience some kind of shame in their life that won't allow them to be in the position they believe was overwhelming to them psychologically and emotionally and physically. Who are the people in history, Mike, that you most respect for whatever reason? Alexander the Great, um, Elijah Muhammad, um, Jesus, Prophet Muhammad, Moses. I have an array of great people that I like. Flavius um, Belisarius. It's just so many people that I just... I don't know, Charlemagne, Pippin, Charles Martel. You know, I can go array, array of people who I admire. Genghis Khan, Kubla King. It's just so many great people I love. El Cid, I, look, I read about them every day. What is, the, what is the trait in a human being you most admire? Is it an ability to bounce back from adversity? Well, that's good, too. That's really flamboyant, and people think it's great. But a human being, his greatest ability is the ability to love. Mm. Mike, I'm going to take a short break. Come back. I want to talk to you about this extraordinary incident on a plane where, for some reason, oh, yeah. uh, a very annoying passenger decided to, to, well, annoy you, and he got his comeuppance. We'll talk about that in a moment. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored from New York um, with Mike Tyson, formerly the baddest man on the planet, but now a very different man, as we've just established. Mike, you're on a plane, minding your own business, when another passenger, for reasons that continue to baffle me, decided to goad you. Let's remind viewers what happened. This is George talking to Mike Tyson, bro. <laughs> crazy, bro, Mike Tyson. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Hey, Mike, Mike, come on. Turn that way. Yeah, you got up. Now, I guess they're watching it right now. Now, Mike, that incident ended exactly how I expected it to once that idiot started mocking you in that way. Uh, what were you thinking as you sat there when this guy was doing what he was doing? First of all, I came from this place 
where I, um, it was called Hippie Hill, where at least 60,000 people were there, and we're all smoking cannabis, okay? So by the time I'm on the plane, I'm high, hungry, and tired, okay? Mm. And this guy keeps um, antagonizing me, right? And then it, I came to my senses and kicked <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I wish I had listened. We are on censor, Mike, but you know you got to be careful. <laughs> I know I didn't kick that, but my, my 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 bodyguard jumped on top of him, and I was hitting my bodyguard, which I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what I imagine you've achieved, Mike, is that nobody will annoy you on a plane again. No, listen, that guy was just being. Um, Irritant, really. What are you talking about? And yes, he hit me with a water bottle that my wife reminded me of. Right. Yeah, I mean, completely pathetic behavior. You shouldn't have been doing it. Do you, do you get a lot of this kind of stuff when you go around? All right, out of 10 people, I may get one. How many do you deal with? Quite a few, but. <laughs> I may only have to put my hands on one. <laughs> I can't yeah. even imagine. Right, listen, I can't. I, I, I can't play like that because my wife gets mad. My wife gets so mad when I'm playing. She doesn't well, like my sense of humor. Well, your wife. She's is... always thinking I'm going to get canceled or some. <laughs> well, your wife is a, a delightful lady. I've had the great pleasure of meeting her. Um, do you think she, she keeps? Do you think she keeps you out of trouble now, Mike? Well, I think she thinks she keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> I'm just always with her, so that's why I'm not in trouble. <laughs> but if she wasn't with you, more people would get a smack. No, I don't agree on that. I guess I would... My wife always tells me to be nice when I go outside, so I would take that advice and be nice. <laughs> <laughs> What's the secret to true love, Mike? Excuse me? What's the secret of true love? Bad memory. <laughs> are you are you a romantic man now? Big time, yeah. Because you're, you know, your wife. I, I've seen you together. You're very much in love with each other. How do you how do you show your yes. love for her? Me, I buy a house. <laughs> that would make me love you. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm. Hey, listen, man, I'm busting chops. I'm. Uh, I'm uh, I help her as a parent, and we co-parent our kids simultaneously every day. And what what kind of values, Mike, do you try and teach your kids? Excuse me. What kind of values do you teach your children? You have to be spirited and have gump and never give up. And, and you deal with life is just a long line of puzzles that need to be solved. And then without that um, competition spirit, people are not going to do well. And they have to know about competition. Because without competition and training them, they give in under the slightest struggle. Right. So I've been talking about this a lot because I think we are creating a soft environment for kids, which doesn't help them. You know, at school now, if they come last in any competition, they get a prize. 
You know, it's always about yeah. how they're feeling if they lose. They're not allowed to lose anymore. And I'm like, well, if exactly. they don't... If they don't if you, well, there's yes. a scene... I was going to say, Mike, there's a scene in Rocky, which I love, in the sixth movie, when Rocky finally has it out with his son. And he says to him, look, life is really tough, you know, and it's going to hit you and hit you and hit you. And it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and get back up and keep moving forward. And I thought that was a really powerful scene... Uh, what do you think of that? Did, would you, is that your kind of philosophy? Yes, it is 100%. Only one thing is different. It's a small, it's just a small fundamental difference, and that is once life hit me, I'm going to hit life back. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a... I, I don't disagree with that. If people hit you, why should you take it? And that's always been, I know, your mantra. I mean, just... Who I am, Mike. At various stages of your I'm life, I'm not malevolent. I'm just me. Right, and, and you've never—I've I've known you a long time, and I find you one of the most fascinating people I know. You've had periods in your life where you've been unbelievably rich, like half a billion dollars and so on. You've had other times when you've had no money. When have you been happiest? With with a lot of money, or actually, is money irrelevant to your happiness? Well, I was happy both. Um, incident, but it was just a part of my growing stage. Mm. Um, I um, I wasn't experienced with my money when I was younger. I'm more experienced now. When you, uh, I think it's 25 years since you bit Evander Holyfield's ear, and I did read that some. Long? Yeah, certainly 25 years. Yeah, it's a long time, right? I agree. <laughs> Do you know what happened to to that bit of his ear? But then in the fight, then you um, it was able, obvious for you to see me spit it out, wasn't it? Yeah, I just wonder what happened to it. I don't know. Um, I think they picked it up and they put some. I don't know what it was, formaldehyde, <laughs> and I gave it to him in a commercial. <laughs> I read somewhere that you'd made $30 million from posing for pictures pretending to bite people. Listen, listen, I don't know if it was 30, but it was more than three that I got um, fined for. <laughs> I've actually got a picture of you trying to bite me. It's on my loo wall. Hey, hey, listen, that's the new, um, that's the new gimmick picture. Every time kids, ladies, men, Elderly men, elderly ladies. Take a picture by my ear. Take a picture of this, that. <laughs> and um, I'm happy to be able to do it. <laughs> well, you left my ear alone, I, I'm, I'm glad to say. Uh, Mike, you're, you're in That's great shape. That's because you didn't pay me for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely true. Uh, well, one quick question before I let you go. <laughs> Donald Trump, uh, we, we think, may run again for president. You backed him last time. Would you back him again? Hey, listen, I'm going to do what I want to do when he runs for president, but it's going to be nobody else's business. Mm. You're not going to say either way? It's nobody's business what I say, but I'm going to say something. It is, is getting your head above the parapet on politics more dangerous than getting in the ring? 
No, it's just ridiculous. It's like if if I don't like you, I'm gonna make the whole country not like you. Mm. And I might send you to jail too. I mean, it is it is ridiculous. <laughs> and what's also ridiculous, Mike, is it's that like, we can't have an opinion anymore, right? You're on a show now called Piers no. Morgan Uncensored. You can say what the hell you like, but you try and say some things out of this environment, and people want to cancel you. It's like a what is this? Um, I don't know. Is this fascist? If the government don't like you, the corporate world don't like you. Is that, is that called fascism? It's fascism, yeah. It is. Oh, yeah, that's what it is then. Because, listen, if certain people don't like you, oh, he's a bad guy. He, I'm not going to let him work for my company no more. And he gives you a bad name to all the corporations, and you can't make any money just because this one corporation don't like you. Mm. Absolutely right. It's, it's absurd the way society has gone. Mike, I could talk to you all night, but I've got to leave it there. Thank you very much for being with me and for being so completely on fire compared to last time. I'm just so glad that you didn't hey, fall listen, asleep in mid-interview. Please forgive me. Please. <laughs> me and my wife was viewing it, and, oh, man, I'm so, I'm so ashamed. <laughs> Mike, you've more, you've more than made up for it this time. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you. <laughs> Take care, Piers. All the best. Well, coming next, is America as sick of the Sussexes as I am? That debate after the break. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored in New York. Moaning Meghan Markle struck again today using a latest podcast to complain she was objectified in her role as a briefcase girl on America's Deal or No Deal, a job in which she was literally paid to wear a nice dress and hold a briefcase. That was what the job was. And I would end up leaving with this pit in my stomach, knowing that I was so much more than what was being objectified on the stage. I didn't like feeling forced to be all looks and little substance. And that's how it felt for me at the time, being reduced to this specific archetype. Last thing we want is for you to feel that way, Megan. Well, joining me is now is former Tory MP Louise Mensch, Fox News contributor Kat Timpf, and Fox News host Geraldo Rivera. What, a, what an extraordinary panel <laughs> we have today. Uh, and some unlikely defenders of Miss Markle will come to in a moment. But first of all, Kat, uh, Meghan Markle, every time she and Harry, I think they've reached a nadir of self-aggrandizing, self-absorbed nonsense. Yeah. Up they pop as something even more ridiculous. Yeah, and the way she talks about this is if she's describing some really serious trauma yeah. that she went through. <laughs> uh, she had to open a briefcase, and that's all that she had to do. That was Except the job. she also had to, yeah, you're paid to look attractive. That's yes. what the job is. You know when you sign up. And to say she was forced to do it, no, you agreed to take the job. To me, this makes about as much sense as accepting a job at Subway and saying it's sexist when a man asks you to make him a sandwich. Yeah. That is what. <laughs> What you were paid to do. And plenty of women who do that job, they're grateful for it. They like it. They're fine with it. So if that's what you want to do, choose to do it. If you don't, don't. But it's not a trauma. Not liking this, your job is problem, not a trauma. It, yeah, I mean, Louise, what they do, the pair of them, they are professional victims. Mm -hmm. They turn right. every single thing in their life into this terrible drama, as, as Kat says, and play the victim card intensely all the time. But I don't feel remotely sorry for them about any of it. Well, why should you? I mean, didn't she get a clue when she saw the length of the hemline on that red dress? Right. She wasn't exactly being on to, asked on to give her thoughts on world politics mm. every night. Um, 
look, is it a bit sexist? Yeah, I guess so. But women aren't the only ones objectified. I mean, when I was a teenager, I get it all the time on the I'm show. I'm sure you're so dashing and Geraldo exactly, too. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, I used to drool over Arnold Schwarzenegger. My brother had a picture of him in Commando on the back of his wall and he used to go in and, and, and leer at him. Pop stars, uh, footballers. Yes. I mean, there's not all these girls, but the women like, bleating out of them because they're sex objects. It's not a tragedy if a member of the other sex finds you attractive. Right. Could you just calm down for five minutes? Well, let's ask Geraldo. Geraldo, you are... A, oh, you've been the object of many a woman's desires over the year. <laughs> a heart throb of news, <laughs> if ever there was one. Uh, let's, let's I was address, a younger man. Yes. <laughs> let's address that point, first of all, which, about the objectifying. I mean, if you take a job like that on Deal or No Deal, can you really then bleat years later about the terrible trauma of being victimised and objectified? To me, this is just the latest in a long series of incidents involving Meghan and Harry Piers, with all due respect, that the critics of the couple seize on to make them, uh, you know, seem uh, narcissistic and self-involved and, uh, and petty people. That's because you know, they are. Uh, back in the 1990s. Well, maybe. Uh, I, I tend to have a different opinion. But back in the 1990s, uh, my ex-wife and I were friends with Sarah Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, Sarah had uh, just uh, left Prince Andrew. Uh, and it, it, it seemed to me that the press was all over her in a way that was that was really malignant. They tried to destroy her. I mean, now she's built back her reputation. Now she's probably, oh, she's certainly more popular than Prince Andrew is, uh, right. the friend of uh, Jeffrey Epstein there. But I, I think some of that same on fairness is now pulling down on Megan. And I, I, I do believe that there is an aspect of truth uh, to, uh, to a kind of resistance to Megan because she's not the typical uh, spouse of a royal. Let me well, just I would say, look, I think so you say that. I would say that the problem that they both have is people, certainly in Britain, they don't like the fact that they've taken their royal titles out of the country. They don't perform any of the duties which you're supposed to do in return for the titles. They're making tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars uh, from companies like Netflix and Spotify and so on. And most of it involves them trashing the royal family and the monarchy. The monarchy, of course, which is the reason they have the titles, that they can make all the money. So there's a hypocrisy and a kind of commercial greed about it which really rankles with people. I, I can understand that criticism, but I remember following Prince Harry uh, into Helmand province in Afghanistan, where he had just served with great distinction yep. and courage uh, fighting against the, uh, the Taliban in one of the most dangerous places on earth. I mean, it, it, there is an aspect of this couple that is far more uh, uh, agreeable or, or appealing uh, than the cliche, the cartoon, I think, that is somehow uh, drawn of them. And I do think that you cannot leave that controversy behind without having some discussion on the plausibility that the race of Meghan Markle and of the child, uh, children, uh, is a, a, is an issue. OK. Whether well, uh, you talk about it or not, it is an issue. Well, I think yeah. you can talk about it. I just don't... I don't think it's an issue in the way that they try and categorise it. I mean, Kat, I've never felt any of the antipathy towards Meghan Markle is driven by her mixed-race background. I don't think anyone cared about that. It's, it's the way she's behaved, not the skin colour.
Right, especially because if you look at the life that she has and you look at the life of the average person, the average person's going to look at her and all of her millions and millions of dollars and all of the prestige that she has and say, and yet all this person can do is constantly complain? I don't think I've ever heard her say something positive. No, never. <laughs> and it's not just, oh, yeah, that's a it's bummer. It's how lucky it's I am. sob story, just this very intense. She's never even just a little sad. No. Everything's yeah. the worst thing. <laughs> that's right. The worst life. You got it. You gotta, you gotta get a grip. She yeah. has to get a grip. Louise, final word on this. I mean, I think most people in Britain are sick and tired of them. And if Harry's book trashes the royals and the Netflix documentary trashes the royals, I think it's game over for them back home. Oh, well, you and I are both from East Sussex, yes. and it rankles to have. We've been them. there more than they Indeed, have. Indeed, exactly. It rankles to have them have the names of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I'll tell you the way that Meghan and Harry could mm. win over the British public. Give up your titles, yep. all of your titles. Yep. Stop being hypocritical and become Mr. and Mrs. Mountbatten Windsor, and we will respect you. Hurrah! Thank you, Louise. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Geraldo, of your spirited defence. Okay. You nearly changed my mind, but ultimately you did. But thank you very much indeed <laughs> for joining me. That's it from me. What are you up to? Keep it on sensitive. We'll be back here tomorrow night from New York. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.